We're in Acts chapter 28, and uh, I've enjoyed this study. And today's lesson, today's message, is lessons we learn when the storm lessens. It's lessons we can learn as the storm lessens. Now, I don't know where we are in this coronavirus situation. I do not know where, if we are a couple weeks away from getting back together again or getting back to some normality, or we may be a few months away. I don't know, and it's really not mine to decide. It's mine just to continue on doing what God wants me to do day by day. But I do believe that a lot of things that have happened to us, uh, I'm hoping that the worst is behind us. In just a few days in the future, a few more weeks, We'll be back to some normality, and we can go back to doing things as we, uh, we want to here in Indiana. We're, our, our Christian schools will be out until um, May the 1st, so we've got some more home education going on there uh, and uh, working through. I feel sorry for our home education moms and dads. If you're not used to it, uh, you're having some problems for sure. Uh, I, you're finding out the teacher wasn't really your problem, right? <laughs> and uh, that's one thing we're finding out. I heard about one lady, she was scraping off the, uh, my student is a, is a star student at the school, they're scraping off the back of the minivan. It must be a sign of the first week of home education going on there. Uh, there are several other things that have happened. One little mother said, Alexis, please homeschool my children. I don't think that's going to happen either. But uh, nonetheless, we've got a little bit time to go through this and work through it, but are there some lessons we can learn as the storm lessons? Can I back, give you a little bit of backdrop if I can, please? We've been going through Acts chapter 27, a right response to the storms of life. And uh, here we have the story that God includes two chapters in chapter 27 and 28 that entails a terrible storm called the Euryclidon. It's a storm that God's man, Paul, a surrendered servant, is involved with. He's working through this time, and he's got Aristarchus, another Christian with him, and Dr. Luke is with him. And he's been given over to Julius, a centurion that's, that's responsible to take him to uh, Rome. He's in Caesarea, and he's making his way to Rome. And uh, he has been uh, guys in charge of him and multiple other prisoners. He's got some subordinates who are watching other prisoners on the ship. And they're on an Alexandrian grain ship that is headed to Rome and wanted to go in there. It's not going to make it. And Paul tells them ahead of time, don't, don't go. I, I feel like we're going to have some real problems here, not only to the ship and what we got in the ship, but even our own lives. But they look for profit and money instead of God's man and God's prophet, if you will. And they went on. And after a long abstinence, Paul spoke up as they hit that terrible storm, and they would be in the storm for 14 long days and nights where they did not see the sun, they did not see the stars, they did not see the, the help, or they, all hope that they should be saved was taken away. But there are several things we can learn that storm. After a long abstinence, Paul stood up, and after prayer and patience, he spoke. And he told them, be of good cheer, I believe God. You know what? That's what you ought to say to the friends around you today. I believe God. Hey, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be okay. God has got this. He's not one bit nervous. We can look our eyes into the hills from whence cometh our help. Help, vain is the help of man, but thank God for the providence and the protection and the provision of God. And I believe with all my heart in chapter 19, in chapter 23, chapter 25, and again in 27, Paul got the confidence, you're going to Rome. You're going to make it. 
God's going to take you to the place in which you were purposed to be in serving me, and you're going to be speaking to Caesar's household. If you read Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 13, you'll see that there in that passage of Scripture, Paul was able to witness to the royalty in Caesar's household. Do you know why? Because he had a promise in his heart, the place of his service was going to be fulfilled. He knew it. He had it in his heart. Now, there's some crazy stuff that happened in the whole process. And after he gets out of the storm, he then gets bit by a snake. We'll read that again in just a few moments. But there's several lessons that we can learn, and we have been learning as we go through this storm and difficult things. And God's people need to put them in practice. Number one, believe God. Trust Him. Put a spring in your step. Put a song in your heart. Put a smile on your face. God is good in good times and in bad times. He's always good. He's always right. You can trust Him. And God's people ought to quit having the pooch mouth disease. Hey, quit walking your lower lip and, and really believe God. Be of good cheer. I believe God. And God, uh, He put a man on that ship. Number two, I would say be a surrendered servant. Be a surrendered servant. One surrendered servant will help everybody in the process. I want to encourage you to be a surrendered servant. Do what God wants you to do. You'll bring strength to the other people in this storm with us if you'll do that. Several other things we find out, and of course the sailors and the soldiers went to selfish means in the pressure of the storm. By the way, whenever we're going through a storm, let's make sure that we're careful to reject selfish impulses. We oftentimes think about our situation and not someone else's. We think about what's best for us. What about our, our money, our problems, our health, rather than looking to the health and, and uh, benefit of others as well. Then I would say to you, those of you who are experienced sailors, skilled sailors, stay on the ship. <laughs> Don't leave. We need you for everybody else to make it. If you've been serving God for a few years and there's some, you've, you've weathered some storms, stay on the ship, be faithful to the Lord, and if you've jumped off ship, get back on. If you've thought about getting on the little lifeboat, cut the ropes and stay on the ship and help other people all the way till you stop breathing. That's the time when we stop serving God. When our heart stops beating, we stop breathing, then we're done. Until that time, uh, don't say, well, I've, I've done my part. I have not, you, have, you haven't paid God off yet. Be faithful, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Then take in nourishment during the storm. Paul gave them food. And he says, listen, you got to be strong in this time. Eat wonderful, biblical, spiritual foods of fellowship, of the Word of God, of prayer, of, of singing songs to the Lord and among ourselves do what we ought to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Take in spiritual food. This is for your spiritual health. And I do that. I think that's so important. We kind of weaken when we get away from the Word of God. Hey, make sure you and your Bible are getting alone with the Lord. Make sure that you and your knees are bent before the Lord. This is a good time to do that, friend. This is Jesus and me, and He'll be faithful to you. This is a time where we have a little more solidarity. We have a little bit more solitude, excuse me, and work to do together. Let's stay faithful to the Lord. Take in nourishment. And then after they, they ate, they, they, they took all the wheat on that cargo ship and put it in the sea to lighten the ship. And it kind of shows us something that souls 
are going to trump substance. And really, don't sweat the light stuff. Make sure that you understand that life it does not consist of the things that you possess. Realize that the things we have are very minuscule compared to the relationships that we need to cherish in people. Souls being saved. Listen, you think about, oh, it's so hard. We're so, we're so limited. Oh, think about Brother Esposito there. Think about Brother Board. Think about that building going up. Think about those souls being saved. Think about that young man who just a few years ago was worshiping the moon, praying to the moon to help him, and now he knows the real God and wants to serve the Lord. Those are things that really matter during a storm. Don't get caught up in, the, in your sustenance and my sustenance and all of our stuff. And uh, we, we worship stuff in America. And boy, this, this storm kind of helps us put it, get, it, get it real, real quickly. And I think that's true. And then deep relationships are formulated in the storm. Deep relationships are formulated in the storm. And we find that Julius and this, this uh, Paul, this preacher, they got close during the storm. And I believe God used that for the rest of their lives. I think Julius got saved. The Bible doesn't tell us, so I should not be loud where God is silent. But I do believe there's something very special happened. And I imagine the 276 people on that ship had memories they would have never had and a closeness they would never have had they not worked through it. I want to give you one more thought I did not give you last time. But the Bible says that those could swim, they jumped into the ocean. At the end, we find the ship is is stuck into the bar and it's in the sandbar but the back is getting beaten up and it came time when Paul said and everybody said listen if you can swim jump in and swim to that island over there. I don't know what island it is they'll find out it's Melita or modern modern day Malta but he said if you can swim swim if you can't swim get a big board get a big board Take a big board, jump in there, and hold on to that board. That was the first surfing going on in the world right there. Then he said, if you can't, if you can't get a board, get broken pieces. But hang on to some broken pieces and make your way to the shore. You know, just to remind us here from this story, you and I need to do what we can do until God does what he does. But everybody can get on shore. You know, I, I think during this time, if you can swim, swim. If you can hold on to a big board, hold on to a big board. If you can just hold a broken piece, do what you can and let God help us with the rest. Instead of complaining and griping and, and uh, giving all the, the obstacles and every opportunity, why don't, you give, uh, why don't you see the opportunity in every obstacle and do what you can do and then let God do what he does and he helps us. And there's nothing we can have that, that really impresses God whatsoever. But let's do what we can do. Now we're in chapter 28. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 1. And uh, let me real quickly give you the map. And so you kind of see what's going on. Men, if you put the map up there, you'll see on that far right side, you'll see Caesarea. That's where they started out. And uh, they went and they went through the, the little lower island there and then came on over to Fair Havens. And that's where they didn't want to stay. And they decided, you know what, uh, I don't want to winter here. At least let's get up to Phoenix there, Phoenice. You can see that. That's where they wanted to go, just over there. But that Euroclidon caught them and put them 14 days and nights in a terrible Mediterranean storm. And it took them all the way over to that little island of Malta, just south of Sicily, which is south of the boot of Italy there. You can see where Rome is. Rome's at the top. 
That's where God is taking the Apostle Paul on this trip to Rome. It's not an easy trip. It's a challenging time, and it's a stormy time, and the storm is not really over, even though it is lessened as they got to shore. Look at chapter 28, verse number 1, would you? The Bible says, and when they were escaped. So now everybody's on the shore, and they're all there. When they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And today, modern-day Malta, they even have a harbor there called St. Paul's Harbor, uh, commemorating the time that he came there. Verse number 2, And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. Let me just share a couple thoughts real quickly. If I can, once again, lessons as the storm lessens. Now, the storm is still going. The rain is still coming down, and the cold weather is still there. It's a Mediterranean cold, so I would say probably it is about the way it is right now in northwest Indiana, probably in the 40s, 50s, but it's cold to the island people there. And the rain is coming. It's still the storm and the results of the storm, but it's lessening. And there, on shore, there. And the Bible says there were some barbarous people. Now, uh, we oftentimes use the word barbarian, which means they would call, the, the Greeks would call anyone who did not speak Greek or was not a Greek, they would call them barbars or barbarous. There were people that, were, that didn't speak their language. So the folks on this island were not Greek speakers. And of course, Luke is a Greek. He is the human author that God uh, uses to write this book, we believe. And he wrote primarily the book of Luke to the Greeks. And he, he has taken note that these folks are not Greek speakers and they're not Grecians. And they called them barbarous people. But these wonderful people showed Paul and the 275 other folks on the ship no little kindness. They were showing him great kindness. And what they did is they, they kindled a fire. They kindled a fire. Linda and I and the kids, we were there in uh, central Illinois on just an overnight stay. And one night there, we were with the Dice family and Brother Gary and, and Miss Pam. They set up a fire, a bonfire. The kids wanted one. I thought, man, I probably shouldn't do it. They went ahead and did it. And boy, it was blazing. It was beautiful and comforting. There's something comforting about a fire. I sat by my fireplace last night and, uh, and put a fire in there. And I enjoy a fire. I enjoy to hear it crackle and pop, sound like Rice Krispies there, but, uh, and I don't like it when it pops on the, my wife's carpet, it gets her really fired at me, uh, I, you know, uh, she married me for my looks, but not the looks she's been giving me lately, on how I do that stuff right there, uh, I married her for her looks, but not the looks she's been giving me, uh, when I, when my fire gets, uh, too excited there, gets on the carpet, nonetheless, uh, a fire warms us, and you know what they did, they, they, they lit up a fire, and uh, they, they, they showed them no little kindness, and they received them, every one. Here's a lesson I want to give you as a storm lessons in our life. Listen, people are on edge. People are on edge in your neighborhood. They're on edge wherever you are in the, in the grocery store. And there's some folks who are a little loosey-goosey, and they're happy, and everything's fine. There's other folks who are scared to death. And people that are hurting oftentimes hurt. But let me tell you something you can do. A lesson we can learn is a storm lessons in our storm of the COVID-19 crisis. Let me encourage you. Number one, uh, demonstrate kindness. Kindness is needed. You know what you can do during this difficult time? Be as gracious as you possibly can. Show a bit of love and kindness. Never give in to hate and blindness. Uh, spread a little love and, and uh, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Friend, you got someone you got to ought against, knock it off. Forgive them in the same way that Christ has forgiven you. Colossians chapter 3, the Bible tells us that forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Show kindness during this time. Let me give you a couple thoughts how we can show kindness. Number one, uh, create an atmosphere of warmth. You know, they, they kindled a fire. You know, you and I can create an atmosphere of warmth, or you can be cold as ice. Listen, be a, be a warm Christian. This world needs someone with a smile on their face. Needs someone, stop complaining. Stop crying. Stop bellyaching because of the circumstances and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I can do. What you can do, you can create an atmosphere of warmth and love. I believe these barbarous people, they didn't know Jesus, but they did this. They showed them no little kindness. I find also the Bible says that they received everyone. They accepted people. They opened themselves up. I was thinking about Brother uh, Keith and Michelle Cowling, and they went around their neighborhood and um, made, some, made some goodies and, and passed out uh, just a note saying, if you need something this time, let me know. Linda did that yesterday with our neighbors. And I know many of you have done that. But you know, we need to really live our life open-handed. Now, you open your arms up to help people, you're going to leave your heart exposed, and you're going to get nailed. You're going to get nailed sometimes. Some folks will think, what are you doing? Bring the coronavirus to me? And other people will say, thank you very much. I needed to see a smiling face. I needed to have someone who loved me and cared for me. And it can be a, a tool that God can, do, God can use in someone's life to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you. Receive other people. Don't just say, you know, I, no one's been nice to me and no one's called me. Get out there and call somebody. Well, I only got three texts yesterday. Well, who did you text? How did you help somebody? Don't sit around and wait for someone just to pat you on the head. Decide, you know what, I'm going to receive other people. And then I thought that there's two, there's two things. Number one, I see that they create an atmosphere of warmth, and you and I can do that. Number two, I find that they received people. Number three, they received everyone. It wasn't just the captain of the ship. It wasn't just Paul. It wasn't just a centurion who was in charge of 100 people. No, all 276 of those drenched, wet, worn out sailors and, and difficult, difficult situations, they, they helped them all. Boy, don't let bias keep you from helping somebody. One of the things we find about uh, this passage of Scripture, and let's take our Bibles there. I don't do this often, but I want you to see this. In James chapter one, 2, James chapter 2, would you turn there, if you would be in the Bible, wherever you may be, let's go. Let's go. Put your Bibles out. Let's go, everybody. My kids are sitting down here, so I'm saying that for their, for their edification there. Chapter 2 of the book of James, and here we find that, of course, Paul, if you can see uh, James, he's telling people you got to grow up. You grow up through trials. You grow up through the Word of God, the Testament of the Scriptures. You grow up through treating people right and sincerely treating people. He said, look, if someone comes in, they've got all the, they've got it going on. Don't treat them better than you treat someone who is definitely uh, someone who needs some attention, some help. Treat everybody right. But look at verse number 8. If ye fulfill the law, the royal law, according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respected to persons, ye commit, what does it say? Sin. 
you commit sin and are convinced of the law by as transgressors. And here he says, listen, if you're biased and you're selective in who you want to help, they said you can uh, be guilty of breaking the law and committing sin. And boy, we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we don't get to pick who our neighbors are most of the time. It's whoever God puts in front of you. That's your neighbor. Whether it's a broken down man on the road to Jericho, that's your neighbor. Or if it's someone we love and we're glad to help because they've helped us in the past, that's our neighbor. Uh, let me encourage you. Do what these barbarous people without the Holy Spirit of God inside of them did. They created an atmosphere of warmth. They, they kindled a fire. They received them. These people needed help. They needed encouragement. They had been through a storm. So they received them. Number three, they did everyone. They did. They weren't biased. They said, I'm not helping you. I'm going to help you. You're a prisoner. I'm not helping you. No, they helped everyone on that ship. I want to encourage you to help everybody in the storm. Our time is up, but I do want to help you today. There may be somebody here today, and you're not sure. You're watching, and you said, Pastor, that was all right. But, um, and I understand about helping people, but you may not be sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Listen, friend, God loves you. And as Christians, we need to be helping people in the storm. We need to be providing a place of warmth. We need to receive people. We need to not be prejudiced and biased in our, in our uh, attempts to help others. You know, the reason we learn that is because we have a God like that. God is not a respecter of persons. He says, I'm not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He'll save to the uttermost and to the guttermost anyone who would believe on his son, Jesus Christ. The best day of my life, Someone took a Bible and showed me from the Bible four wonderful truths how I could have eternal life. That was a great day for me. They told me I was a sinner. I knew that. I'd lived with me long enough to know that I was a stinker. I needed help. I couldn't go to heaven on my own, and no, no one can. God's holy. We're not. We cannot. The Bible tells us for all of sin, and all of us come short of the glory of God. They begin to explain to me that I deserve to die. Not only a physical death separated from my body, but to be separated from God eternally in the lake of fire. The wages of my sin was to die, to be separated from God. And then they told me that Jesus and He alone gave me eternal life. On the cross, Jesus did all that was needed to be done so I could be saved. And He, the innocent, died for me, the guilty. And He gave me a chance to believe and receive Him. That gift was purchased for me many years ago, but it was received by me the night someone showed me. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Jesus loved me. And on the cross, he saved me. He died. He was buried. He rose again so I could be forever with God. He was separated from his heavenly father so I wouldn't have to be separated from him. Then I had a choice to make. And you have a choice to make. To believe and receive Jesus or to reject Him. A hundred years from this very moment, all that's going to matter for you and me, for anyone listening, is where we live. With God in heaven or without Him in the lake of fire. God doesn't want you to live apart from Him. He wants you to live with Him. But you must come by the way of the cross, by the way of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, 
I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Everyone who goes to heaven goes to heaven the same way. They must put their faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. You either go into eternity with our sin or with God's Son. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you? He's waiting. A passage of Scripture in Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come into him. There are many applications to that verse, but may I say to you, God is standing at the door of your heart. Will you let him come? Would you believe and receive him this very moment? He loves you. Right where you are, you could say this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you forever because of my sin. But I believe that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again so I could be saved. Lord, forgive my sin. Save me. I put my trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to do so. If that's you today, friend, I hope you will believe and receive Jesus. If you need more help understanding what I shared with you briefly, please call us. If you did ask the Lord to save you, call us. Let us take your call and let us rejoice with you and send you materials that can be helpful to you in the ongoing days and weeks ahead. The number is on your screen, 219-932-0711. Someone will take your call and transfer you to someone that can help you right this moment. I hope you'll do that. If you say, Pastor, I'm a little confused about how you explained that. There's a full presentation on our website. Just type in our website and put that slash salvation. And I take a few moments, a little longer than I did just now, and explain the gospel. We want it to be clear to you. God loves you. Maybe this time, as difficult as it is, has been used of God to bring your heart and my heart closer to his son, Jesus. I hope that's the case. God bless you and thank you.